You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. All right, fellas. Well, let's uh, let's get it kicked off, guys. Uh, been a busy, busy week. This past week, been working on a lot of content. And if you guys don't know, um, we have a, a cool little virtual event coming up this Wednesday, but we'll, or not Wednesday, Thursday, but we'll talk about here that in a little bit. Um, let's just dive right into prayer, guys. Uh, or we just thank you for this amazing day that you've given us. And I thank you for this opportunity to be able to come together and share with these men. I thank you for uh, the fact that they look at me as somebody that uh, as a role model, as a mentor, as a coach, Lord, or just somebody that they can look up to and, and gather advice from. Father, I ask that you just continue to use me during those situations and and work with these men and coach these men and um, and those that are uh, listening to the recordings that just can't make the calls, Father God, we for them. And Lord, I ask that you just continue to set us apart for who you called us to be, continue to work in us, continue to lead us and strengthen us and guide us each and every day, Lord. Give us an amazing night tonight. Let us just be able to learn something more from you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, fellas, <laughs> man, last week, you missed it last week, Zach, but we love you, brother. Last yeah. week was about leading the hardest person to lead, which was ourself. And so today we're going to carry that on and talk about the character, the character test. And uh, of course, that's going to be nothing more than about ourself again. Um, you know, a lot of this right here is, is, is really about who we are as individuals, who we are as called by God, who we are as men, you know, who we are in. Uh, as leaders within ourself, within our marriage, our relationships, um, friendships, because it goes more, way more than just being a leader within your marriage or your, you know, uh, your engagement um, or even any type of relationship, right? It's about being that leader, about being that individual who God has called us to be us for us. No more. If we can't do it for ourselves first, we'll never be able to do it for other people effectively, right? So I'm a I'm a firm believer in that. And the reason why I'm a firm believer is because I've had to do it, you know, and I've lived it. And, uh, the times that I wasn't leading myself, I look back and I'm like, man, that's the problems I was having throughout time, throughout life is when I wasn't truly leading who I am. And so, um, but, you know, character, we talk about, you know, you, we've all talked about this in our, our life, right? You know, the judging a, an individual by their character, right? Or we see people by the way that they act. They act one way behind closed doors and they act a total different way in the public view or around friends or around certain people, right? And, you know, the work of God talks a lot about character and we see that in the model of Jesus. We see that in the model of, you know, who he was and what he's called us to be, okay? And if we're going to win at life, we have to win in our relationships, and that's, you know, the, the first relationship 
in, in my order anyways, is relationship with God, my relationship with myself, my relationship with my wife, my children, and then anybody else, right? But I have to value those relationships with, let's say, you, Zach, or you, Michael, the same, you know, to the same level and degree that I value my relationship with God. I can't sit there and act, let's say, in my prayer room or in my, my own home, act a certain way with God and then go out and treat people a different way, okay? I have to have that same, I have to develop, I have to treat my relationships uh, the same exact way. And unfortunately for a lot of us, we don't live up to that. Okay. We go through seasons in our life where, you know, we're harder in certain areas than we are. And, uh, it becomes a reflection. And if there's something that I've learned this past year that have stuck with me and it's stuck with me hard. And I still look at this today is, you know, the level in which we're influenced, but it's not just, you know, I say the level, but it's really understanding how we are influenced. And the reason why I say about understanding is because we can't truly effectively know how to influence other people unless we know how we are influenced. And when I heard that this past year, it's just like so many things just went off in my head about how I was influenced as a young man. Okay. And how it has led me to the career opportunities I've uh, gotten into, it's, uh, the relationships that I've found myself into or found myself in, and as well as the business opportunities or the way I treat or talk to or coach individuals. Okay. And when I understood that, it really just gave a dynamic shift of how I treat or talk or influence other people. All right. And you know, a little bit my background is, of course, growing up in a Marine Corps family. My dad was very verbally and physically abusive. And, uh, you know, being, being, in that, being in that military family. Now, my dad didn't treat us like we were in the military, right? Okay, we didn't. Of course, discipline was there. But he didn't make us do push-ups or jumping jacks or, you know, stand at a tent. All these different things that he had to do in the Marine Corps. You know, but when you are growing up in that family, in that, in, in that city, you know, uh, in a Marine Corps town, it's like, ultimately I was influenced by a lot of people that Marines were the best because it was a Marine Corps town. Right. You know, and nothing else was good, you know? Um, and that's just, you know, that's just the, uh, the jostling that Marines have with each other and things like that when it comes to other branches of the service. And even though I pushed on me, it was influenced enough that if I ever was going to join a branch of the service, it was going to be the Marine Corps. Okay. So that was one area of influence. Another area of influence was my faith. Okay. And I've grown up in the same denomination, the same, um, if you want to use the word religion, I don't like to use that word, but, um, you know, the same faith-based background, um, not much has changed. Okay. Uh, then, you know, if you look at that aspect and then if the aspect of the way I viewed myself as a man, um, when it came to my own insecurities, my own confidence or lack of, you know, you can, I can model or I can tell you, the uh, the three serious relationships that have been in my whole entire life, two of them I married one I was engaged to. So out of those three. They were very committed relationships. They were the only relationships that I 
that I actually was even in in charge of asking somebody out um, to be in a relationship. So relationship number one was an engagement um, that God led us in two different directions. The second one was my wife of 14 years passed away of cancer. And the third one is my wife now, Rachel. Okay. So uh, my influence around that had a lot to do with, okay, my confidence or lack of confidence. All right. Then when it comes to the professional side of things, not only was it the Marine Corps, but also law enforcement. I grew up being around law enforcement, uh, watching the show cops all the time. And so growing up, I always wanted to be a cop, you know. Uh, one of my best friends wanted to be a cop growing up. He wanted to be a state trooper. And so I was influenced by that. So if we look at the way that we're influenced, we can have a direct understanding of how we actually influence people. And so let me dig a little bit deeper. When it came to my style of leadership as an entrepreneur, I tend, I have tended to find my in the more authoritative and slash dictatorship style of leadership. Okay. Um, because of that's what, what the Marine Corps was. I grew up in that. That's what law enforcement is. Okay. And so when I, I knew that when I was in a civilian world and what I mean by that is non-military people, okay. A non-military job. All right. So me as a, um, uh, a dog training company, um, an owner of a dog training company had civilian for me or having work, people working for me. I ran it like almost like I was, a, you know, a, a dictator. Okay. Not that people could never say anything. It wasn't to that rule or, or control, but it was also to that authoritative way where, hey, we're going to get stuff done. This is how the level we're going to get it done at. And this is what I expect from everybody. Okay. And then I realized how much I was influencing people in, um, in a negative way. Okay, not everybody can take that authoritative manner. You know, there wasn't a lot of persuasive manner about me. Okay. Um, but now when I realized how I was influenced, then it really gave me an understanding of how I was influencing other people. Or not only that, is what I was doing in my own life that influenced. Okay. And um, the reason why I'm setting this up is because I used to work for a gentleman that um, was in ministry. Okay. And if you've ever seen or uh, watched the movie Devil Wears Prada, okay, um, he's like the Meryl Street. Okay. <laughs> All right. And it was his way or the highway kind of thing. This is what he said to do. And this is how you did it. Um, and, you know, he worked at a level of excellence. But even with that, is his character delivering a message was different at times than the one on one. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect individuals. I'm not saying that we can't slip up, but ultimately this is what, this is something I I've, I've said, and this is, you know, in a different way, biblically is where we can't allow our gift or our anointing to take us where our character can't keep us. And that's what happens for a lot of people. A lot of coaches is they have the gift of speaking. They have the gift of coaching. They have the gift of being able to influence people's lives. But when you get very close to them and you really start to know and understand who they are, that gift that has made rooms for them is not really what their character is about. Their character is a lot something that they would want to hide from people or when it ultimately gets pushed to the, to the edge, so to say, then you really see who they are. Okay. Now, you know, 
we can get into the aspect of like drugs and alcohol about the people or, you know, I've even heard, you know, uh, money doesn't create who you are. It reveals who you are, right? So stress does the same thing. Well, you know, people have said alcohol do the same thing. Uh, so at the end of the day is the way that we live our life is, does it represent the, uh, the influence that we, that we have had from, from God? Okay. Um, and if it hasn't, great thing about it is God's redemption plan allows us to change and come back and, or come to him at any time, you know? So ultimately, if we're going to, you know, when, when God calls us about, you know, when it comes to, you know, relationship, number one is, you know, Jesus was the first ultimate leader. Okay. And he called people to follow him. Well, the great thing about when we've all been there by having somebody in our life that we follow, right? A coach, a mentor, we, we've all done that. Whether it's with our job that we do or whether we find online that we follow is, you know, we see something in them that is in correlation to what we feel good in our heart that aligns with our morals and values or something that they have said that we like and we choose to follow them. We do it on social media all the time, okay? And we sometimes take it a little bit step further by hiring them as a mentor or a coach. Um, and that's ultimately, you know, the model of Jesus. Okay. And as he walked this, people, people uh, uh, followed him. Okay. But it was his relationships that he had with people. Now, don't get me wrong. He had a mother. He had brothers. You know, there, there's, there's, even though Jesus was without sin and was perfect. Don't think that he did things that they didn't like or they didn't agree with or, you know, uh, even in all his, his wholeness and his perfectness, right? But in, in this, you know, uh, the best way to really understand how to win with our relationships with other people is are we winning with our relationship with Christ? Are we, are we winning with our relationship with ourselves? You know, and... Because the deeper and the closer I get, let, let's, let's think about it like this on, on our human terms is, you know, if I get very, very close to a female, there's a great chance in this day and age that we fall in love with them. We may be even getting into a uh, relationship with them. Why? Because I built a relationship. I, I became close to them. The cool thing also about growing close to anybody, even as a friendship, is we start to get to know their nuances. We start to get to know how they handle situations. We know almost we, we everybody, I think at some point in life has that person, or maybe we're that type of person that likes to push people to the point of, let's see what it takes to break. Okay. Or let's see what it takes to tick you, you know, or get ticked off or whatever the case is. And we do that with our friends. We do that with our loved ones because we ultimately push. Right. And uh, we and the reason why we're able to get to that is because we have developed a relationship. We've developed a point of time, you know. And ultimately, when it comes to those things like that, when it comes to things in people's lives, it's, that's when you sometimes will know, not necessarily know your true friends, but know who may want to be around you and may not want to be around you. Right? You know, um, I hear it. I've heard it said, and I know y'all have heard it said is. Well, when you're going through your rough times, you know who your true friends are, right? And I believe that's a false statement, okay? I believe when you're going through tough times, you know who you may can count on, 
you also may know and truly understand who has the same beliefs as okay? When my, when my wife was diagnosed with cancer and I was sharing my faith, people followed me because of my journey, because they cared of who I am. But there was a lot of people decided is like, yeah, this whole faith sharing thing isn't for me. That doesn't mean that they weren't my friend. It just simply meant that that's not what they agreed with in their own morals. Okay. And I think it's better put that way versus saying, well, you know who my friends are now, you know, um, you know, ultimately, like I said, when we're winning at life, it's because we're winning in relationships. We're winning our relationships with the people. And Jesus has called us to love one another. <laughs> he didn't just ask us to do it. He commanded us to do it. Um, and that's in John 13. It wasn't just a suggestion. It was a commandment. It was love one another, love your neighbor. Okay. Um, and it wasn't just love your neighbor and that's the end. It was love the way I loved you. And so there is our model of influence as men today. How are we supposed to love our neighbor? How are we supposed to love our friends? How are we supposed to love the people that we fall in love with in relationships and opposite sex? You know, um, is love the way that Christ loved us? Now, that being said, okay, that does not mean be taken advantage of. That does not mean be beat down verbally or mentally or emotionally, okay? Right? Because there's no doubt that even, you know, even Jesus, even though the word of God says this in the book of Matthew is, you know, Jesus was accepted in every place, but where? His own hometown. Why? Because we know there's people in our life that will always see us as the, the, the six, seven-year-old kid that right around church or right around school or that bullied everybody will never see us grow up, right? And so there are people that will always shun us. There will be people that will always look down on us. There will there'll always be people that won't see us for who God has called us to be and who we're, let's say, even trying to change to be, right? Okay. Say you've been in a toxic relationship and things change about your life. You learn some things. And you're like, hey, man, I want to change. That person may never, ever accept the fact that you're trying to change because they still see you with the old glasses on that they used to see you with, okay? And yeah, we're called to love them the way Christ loved them, but that doesn't mean we have to put up with their stuff, okay? That doesn't mean we have to keep them in our life. I've lost some friends this past year, okay? And some really good friends. And unfortunately is I just couldn't be around the way they were acting. It doesn't make me better than them. It doesn't make me more holier, thou art greater kind of thing. No, it just simply means that our alignment is no longer together. And because of that, I can't be around this, period. Still love the individuals, okay? Uh, would still do anything for the individuals, but it just simply means that, hey, I can't be around this. This happens sometimes in relationships as well. We just come to that point saying, hey, look, you know what? It's better off that I am not with you anymore, okay? Doesn't mean that I don't love them, right? You know, Rachel and I are starting and launching our alpha leadership in our marriage program is because the things that we struggled with, we at times did not want to be with each other. And we said bye a couple of times. I told her to pack her, pack her stuff up in boxes a couple of times and get out, you know? 
Um, didn't want to put her and her daughter out because I'm not that type of guy, but man, it's just like, I can't be around this anymore. And it finally came to the point in our life, you know, it's like either we're going to make God's way or we're not going to make it work at all. And when I drew that line in the sand, it's like everything completely changed. But the way it changed was not simply because I wanted certain rules or certain boundaries is because I start to have to love her the way God loves me. And when I really did that, and of course I set boundaries across the board is, you know, God loves me because, you know, um, in the way of where he has boundaries, he has commandments, he has to. And when I started putting those things into play, the way God wanted me to be as a man, then I was able to get that out of my relationship. So again, if we're going to win at life, we have to win in our relationships. We have to win by the way that we love other people. It's so crazy that even in the Bible, this is crazy. It says, when a man is not acting who he's supposed to be as a leader within the home and a leader within their marriage, it says for a wife to win them back, win them back through the actions of love. It's crazy. So if we have the ability, if wives have the ability to change men, what kind of ability does a man have to change not only himself and other men and women around him, but the world? You know. 30, 40, 50 years ago, street preaching was acceptable, okay? But you go out on the Vegas Strip right now with a megaphone and start preaching at people, they're not going to embrace it. They're just not because the dynamic has shifted in terms of somebody standing on the corner preaching the gospel versus me telling one of you, you're wrong for what you're doing, you know? Being gay is a sin. Be, you know, there's a lot of sins. Just, you, you know, it's not just that, right? You know, stealing the cookie from mom, stealing out of dad's wallet, stealing the car. All those things are wrong. But we got to the point of instead of loving on people, okay, we went to the point of preaching at people, you know, and, um, you know, I, I won't, you know, I've had friends reach out to me even when my, my wife was, was going through cancer. And they're like, man, thank you so much for sharing your faith, but not pushing it on us, you know? And it's encouraging to hear that because at the end of the day, I just want to show the love of Christ, but the, you have to have Christ. Now I want everybody to have Christ in their life because of the redemption plan. But at the end of the day, with, with so many things being pushed on us nowadays, the last thing we want to push on people is the love of God. Because they won't feel like it's love. They won't feel like it's genuine. They will feel like it's manipulation. You know, and we all know we've all been manipulated at some point in time in our life. We know what manipulation feels like, you know, and none of us, most of us don't like it at all. Whether it's it being sold something and being manipulated to give them the credit card or whether it's going to watch a certain movie or a certain play or doing something our spouse really wants us to do or, or you know, a lot of different things, right? And so ultimately we have to know and understand when it comes to viewing people, when it comes to doing the things in our own life is how are we sharing that love? Okay. We can love a lot of people and never talk to them. You know, I make it a point. I make it a huge point. Every time I pass somebody in a store, I always say hello. I'm the guy that still drives down the street and waves at people even though nobody else waves at me, okay? Why? It's just simply, be, hey, man, 
if I'm known that, hey, that guy always waves, or I'm the guy that can always be talked to. And it's so crazy is I make myself so available on social media that as I'm sharing things and not preaching at people, but just show up I have for God, it's crazy that even the people that try to argue with you, they're the first ones that come to you when they need help. And they'll sit there and say things like, hey, I didn't know who else to ask, but I knew I could come to you. You know, and I've had that happen a lot over the last couple of weeks, just simply because of me loving on other people. If you truly want, now get this, this is cool. If you want to grow a business, okay, if you've been in business coaching whatsoever, all right, and have seen any type of quick funnels or any type of really great coaching that people are, are following, that individual adds value. When we have people in our life that add value to our life, what are we more attracted to? We're more attracted to that individual. We're more attracted to what they're, they're giving us because we're like, man, thanks so much for helping out. Thanks so much for adding to my life. You know, and that's ultimately by loving one another is doing nothing more than just adding value to other people's lives. Now, let's get it a little bit deeper, okay? You know, Jesus viewed people and relationships as a stewardship before God. He saw his own life this way and he expects the same from us. All right. So what does that mean? Is it's ultimately is leading by example. Okay. Is having that relationship, his own relationship with his father and son and God. Okay. He expects the same out of us, right? So let's let's just put this in everyday situation, even without faith. Okay. Even if somebody's not a believer. All right. Do we really do we want people to treat us in any kind of way? Or do we want to we want people to treat us the way we want to be treated? Of course, we know that we want people to treat us the way we want to be treated, but how do we go about that? We go about that by just the example of, if I wanted to be talked to, then I'm ultimately going to talk down to people. If I don't want to be talked down to, then I'm not going to be talked down to people. I'm not going to talk down to people. We've all heard the comment, um, hurt people, hurt people. Okay. Well, I believe that loved people can love people. And I believe that changed people can change people. You know, and I, and so, and I'm a firm believer of it because there's been times in my life that I've spoken nothing but hurt to pe over people or around people or to people. And now it's just, it's so easy for me to say that when I see somebody comment on social media or somebody say something to me, I'm like, they're just coming from a place of hurt, not a place of love. And if we can be that true model and that true example of, I'm just going to love on other people, you know, and that's with the people we come across with every day. That's the people that we may only see one time in our lifetime. That's the people that we possibly can add value to. Ultimately, that's the people that we have in our relationships. You know, the people that we eventually fall in love with is, are we talking to those people? Are we, you know, treating those people the way we truly want to be treated? And it's not just telling the person, I love you, but it's showing the love. It's acting out in love. It's you know, being a model of love. And of course, love is more than just a feeling, you know, it's an action. It's, it's a verb, <laughs> say love is a verb. Okay. But it's carrying out those things just as if in a situation, instead of firing back at somebody. Okay. And it's crazy because the more Rachel and I dive into 
working with married couples, okay, the more I find not only just our marriage strengthening, but the way we, the way we do things, our actions towards each other before where the arguments would last days at a time. Then it went to a day or two. Then it went to hours at a time. So it went to an hour or so to now it's just like, man, maybe 15 minutes, maybe a couple minutes, maybe in the midst of it, somebody says something funny and it completely knocks us both off of what our path was intended. And now we're laughing over the situation instead of arguing over the situation. So as we've developed, because here's the thing, I was reading not on a book and it was talking about, you know, like when you, when you have an argument with somebody and it's regardless of who it is, right? Whether it's a loved one, whether it's a family member, whether it's a, a, a friend down the street, right? Is who apologizes first? Well, the most mature one apologizes first. And so I got to thinking about that when I read that. And of course, I showed it to Rachel. Now it's almost like you get into an argument. I'm walking out and I'm walking around the door around the house. And I'm like, man, I know I'm more mature than she is. So I'm going to apologize first, right? Because that's my competitive nature. And what is she doing? She's doing the same thing. Man, I better apologize before Joseph does because I'm more mature than he is, right? And it becomes this almost our funny thoughts in our own head of, I'm going to beat her to the punch or she's going to beat me to the punch of apologizing because we ultimately want to show the other person we're more mature than they are, right? It's almost like the silent win. If I can slip in the last word, win, right? Well, if I can apologize first, then I win, right? Well, of course, it's not just an apology or words just to say words. It's a heartfelt commitment of apology saying, hey, look, I messed up. I didn't mean to come across this way. You know, and it almost, it's almost like conflict resolution, um, 10X, right? I've just 10X my own conflict resolution because I want to be the more mature one, but I know I have to come in a place of humility. I know I have to come from a place of love and forgiveness. So ultimately we're going throughout our day-to-day actions. Like, how are we talking to people? How are we treating people? And bigger than that, man, is how are we talking to ourselves? You want to develop character, talk to yourself the same way you would talk to other people. Now, I know coming from somebody that has dealt with confidence issues and has dealt with insecurities and has dealt with abandonment and seeking approval, the thing about my confidence didn't change in my life until I started seeing myself and I would say, man, I'm sexy. I'm I'm the sexiest man alive. I'm, man. GQ just hasn't contacted me yet. It's their fault, not mine. You, you know, but I begin to say those things because I had to speak over who I was. Because in certain areas of my life, I was super confident. In other areas, I wasn't. And so it was nothing more but areas of character that I had to work on. Now, I can't say that I'm the best at it. There are still times I'm just like, man, I might feel beat down. Okay. But I know I'm like, God, this is who you've called me to be. You've called me to love other people. So when Rachel and I get into it, it's not really about who is going to be the most mature one, the fastest. It's who is going to love on the other one, the fastest. Who is going to be the model of Christ, the fastest. You know, know, um, the things that we go through each and every day, right? It's ultimately, it boils down to by us not showing love to other people. It's an act of being selfish, regardless of where they are at. 
You want to change people's lives, okay? Because at the end of the day, if you think about it, at the end of the day, we can't change anybody. We can be a representative. We can be a representative of God. We can be an influence. We can be an example, right? They, they have to want it, okay? But I'll tell you this. You put somebody that does not want to change in an atmosphere where they're nothing but loved, watch what happens, okay? I kind of look at it as the movie Santa Claus when Jack Frost freezes the little girl's parents and uses the snow globe and stuff like that. And it was her, it was a little girl that went up and hugged Jack Frost and the warmth she had in her heart changed him. And then of course you get the, you know, the sound effects from him, like as his body begins to warm and the ice is broken off of him. Right. Okay. So ultimately it wasn't what she said. It wasn't how she talked to him. It was more of how she loved on him. Now, I know, of course, that's a Disney movie or a Hollywood movie. Still a great example of the way Christ loves us is by that embrace, right? And the way that we can love other people is just simply by the way that we treat them. Because actions, we know this, actions speak louder than what? Words, right? And so it doesn't matter how many times we say it, people want to see actions, especially when you're in a, uh, a relationship with somebody. So mature people generously, and we were just talking about this, mature people generously serve others out of their love and connection to God. You know, not out of, I got to love you because you're my wife. I have to love you because you're my girlfriend, or I have to love you because of you're my friend. No, I love you. Because I love God and God loves me. And if we can look at life through those lenses, okay, almost putting on the binoculars that if God was looking down on us, the bird's eye view, the God's eye view, can I look at other people with those same set of lenses? The same set that no matter, no matter what our imperfections were, no matter what we were going through, okay. We are looking at people from the view of Christ, the view of God, because that is how we are supposed to not only just model love, but be mature in love. We're serving people. Immature people interpret every interaction through the lens of what's in it for me. We're born that way. We're born that way. I meet somebody, hey man, what can I do for you? What can you do for me? No. Instead of, you know, how can I serve you? How can I be in that place that I can serve you in what you're doing instead of, man, man, that's a great business, man. How, uh, how can I get a part of that? I want to, I, I want a piece of that puzzle. You know, how can I be a part of what you're doing? Not to serve, but to get something right. Because we're born in a world of being selfish. That's how we're born into it. We're, we're, we're uh, kids fight over toys from the very, uh, you know, from a very young age. That's fine. Mom gave it to me. That's mine. That's being selfish, right? Okay. And so immature people interpret every interaction through the lens of what's in it for me. We need to be little lens of what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I love on you? Two qualifiers, if, it's, if it is possible, which means something it isn't. So this is Romans 12, 18. 
Okay. And as far as it depends on you, meaning you can't control how anyone else behaves. All you can own is what you do. You live at a peace with everyone. That's the goal. It's the biblical peace. How can we treat other people? How can we respond to other people? I can't control the way Rachel responds to me. I can't control the way people on social media respond to me, but I can sure control how I respond to other people. I believe there's a big difference between reaction and responding. Reaction is not thinking through the process. We just willy-nilly go through whatever we're going to do, okay? And responding is taking that time to sit back, look back at things and say, you know what? This is the way that God would handle this. This is the way I need to see this person for what they're going through, through God's eyes, not mine. And so we have to be able to understand that the culture of God's family is built on trust, forgiveness, honor, and love. Trust, forgiveness, honor, and love. We want to trust people. We love people. We want to honor people. We love people. We forgive people. We love people. So when we are commanded, in, like it says in John, to love one another as I of Christ have loved you, that's coming from a place of love. And in that is trust, is forgiveness, is honor. So I just want to encourage you guys tonight that as you're going throughout your day, whether it's responding to somebody, uh, a nasty email from work, whether it's responding to somebody on social media, whether it's responding to a text message, whether it's responding to stubbing your toe or getting into a car accident, okay? Respond with love because that's what we've been commanded, not suggested to do. Boom. <laughs> What'd you think, fellas? It's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. Guys, listen, I'll be the first one to tell you, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's truly hard sometimes to love people when they're taking advantage of us, right? It's hard to love people when they've done nothing but talk down to us. It's hard to love people when they have, let's say, put, put us down, uh, talked about us, um, treated us ugly, didn't love us in the first place, right? Taken advantage of us, broken our spoken, um, you know, uh, integrity, so broken or shown us their character. And I truly believe the reason why God commanded us to love is because he knew it was going to be hard. You know, can you love the individual that ran the red light and killed your brother or sister? Can you love the individual that stole from you when you needed every bit of that money? Can you love the individual that, you know, talked down on you such that it affected the way you look and see yourself? Can you love those people? You know, and there's no doubt that both of you have been through situations in life that you've had some hard things happen that you're like, man, I just don't know if I can love that individual. They treated me so wrong. And here's the thing, man, I'm going to tell you all straight up, you're entitled to act, to, to, to think that way, but we're commanded to act in love. We're entitled to respond ugly. We're entitled to do all those things that we want to do, but we're commanded to respond in love. We're commanded to love one another. And I'm not going to lie. 
I remember the day that I went and told my dad that I forgave him. And this is years of physical and verbal abuse, not only to myself, but to my siblings, to my mom. And my dad rocked back in a chair and he said, son, I didn't know I was wrong. And in my mind, I'm like, how in God's name did you not know that physical abuse was wrong? Right? And I remember immediately leaving where we were at. And I went and told a friend that was the same age of him. And he's like, son, he says, Joseph, he says, you have to put yourself in your dad's shoes. How was he influenced? How was he taught how to raise kids? How was he taught? to the, the, the model of a wife, okay? And I look back at it, and of course, that allowed me to see him in a whole different light. It didn't make what he did right, but what it did is it changed my perception of what I thought he should have been doing, which allowed me to come to a place of forgiveness a lot faster because at the end of the day, when it comes to forgiveness, and it's a whole other subject, but when it comes to forgiveness, we're not just people, we're forgiving ourselves. When we go to people, and this is the thing that I learned so much about when I went up to my dad that day. When I went up to him to, for, to ask for forgiveness, I was expecting a response from him, a certain response. And when I didn't get it, I was more hurt. What I should have been doing is just expecting the fact that you may say nothing, but I'm walking in telling you that I forgive you. Not for him, but for me. So I can let go of the chains and bondages and all the hurt and and the things that have held me back because of me holding on for so long. And that's ultimately what God has called us to do by commanding us to love one another. So that's it for tonight, fellas. That's all I got. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.